foodie. 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 from the Not A Foodie studio, which is not an actual studio. It's just my dining room in Queens. This is the Not A Foodie podcast. That was perfect. I know. It took me like four takes to get that. I'm Tom. I'm Mike. And we are the Not A Foodie podcast crew. So this is our second episode. And uh, I think uh, I think we're getting the hang of this thing. Hopefully. Hopefully. (laughs) So episode two, today we wanted to talk a little bit about secret culinary weapons. What are some of the things that we like to cook with? What are the things that uh, we like to add into into regular recipes that make them extra special? So I don't think this one has to be said, but just to say and get out of the way, garlic. It's not not a secret, but if you're not cooking with half a clove of garlic in everything you make— you're, you're doing it wrong. I read that um, I read that whenever a recipe says that you should have one clove of garlic, you should double it. And if the recipe says don't double it, then you don't make that recipe. You should always have two, two cloves of garlic in everything. Garlic is everything. I feel like every recipe calls for a clove of garlic, and I just – I do two or three. Just I mean, garlic is garlic. It's, it, garlic is, is beautiful. What I, this is what I love about garlic. So I love the garlic if you cook it slow. Do you grow your own garlic? I have, yes. I um, I don't have any now. I did not realize that garlic takes um, like a full year. It's like a full-on year for, for garlic to mature. So we planted it a couple of years ago, and uh, it I thought it died. And then last year, all of a sudden, it started sprouting again. So I took uh, – so garlic, when it sprouts, it, it sprouts these scapes that are called these you know, stalks that come off the top of it. They're not leaves. They're like stalks, and it happens in the springtime. Um, and, of course, I don't like to waste anything, so I took the scapes and I pickled them, and they're fucking delicious. Um, and I love that you're so committed to garlic. You figured oh, out a way to eat it Everything. Raw. Everything. Oh, man. So, like, so there's that. I also take the leaves, and I make pesto out of them. I make garlic scape pesto. Um, so, anyway, long, long answer to a short question. Yes, I do grow my own garlic. <laughs> And I have a bunch of it dried and hanging out in my garage right now, <laughs> and it's delicious. And these, these aren't questions that, like, we think of before. I just straight up figured Tom grew his own garlic. <laughs> he's, he's stereotyping. He's like, he's like, look at that Italian dude. I bet you he grows his own garlic. <laughs> but what I, what I love about garlic is that if you, the, you could cook it different ways and get completely different tastes from it. So, like, you want... You want that Asian sort of flavor. You fry it up, get it like almost golden brown, like a little bit crispy. Um, it has more of a bitter taste to it. If you slowly, just slowly let it saute in some oil or butter, it becomes really, really sweet. Um, it can be spicy. It can be pungent. It's, I mean, it, it is just the ultimate sort of base for anything. If you're not cooking with garlic and today you listen to this and you just throw some garlic into whatever you're cooking you're now a better home cook <laughs> i agree i agree what do people like not use garlic uh, uh, I don't, yes i mean you gotta use garlic I, so what do you think about uh garlic salt um my roommate gets really baked and just that's the only seasoning he uses 
So <laughs> I, I have it, but like I don't know. I use garlic, like pizza garlic seasoning on stuff. I, I don't know. I no, I don't use garlic salt because I have the fresh garlic. I have the ground garlic, and then I use. I use salt. both. I use both. I feel like garlic salt is is different. It adds a different flavor. Do you cook with it, or do you just put it on top of something that you cooked already? It depends. It depends. Sometimes, um, sometimes I'll use it in it. So, all right, this is getting scientific right here. So I do a lot of uh, sous vide cooking, which is sous vide is you're cooking things at a constant temperature um, in a vacuum. So you basically put in like a steak in a Ziploc bag and put it in a water bath so that it cooks perfectly. Um, the problem with sous vide is that if you use any fresh vegetables or anything that's any fresh vegetables, any fresh, what is garlic considered? An, Herb? No, it's an alum or something. That, that's not, yeah. It's not that. I don't know what that is. Whatever that is, it's not that. Yeah. But I can't I – know, I know what it is. A I just tomb? can't – it, No, it's like an alum, I think. A-L-U-M. I don't know. Look it up while I talk. Um, but if you use anything fresh inside a sous vide bath, um, you're basically creating a recipe for botulism. So <laughs> – um, I use garlic granules because it's already dried. There's no, you know, there's nothing. There's no botulism in there. Um, but I also use it like uh, garlic powder or garlic salt. I just dump it on top of pizza. That's completely Allium. Different. Allium, yes. Not, not alum. 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 <laughs> but yes, garlic. Garlic is a secret ingredient. And I feel like garlic is not a secret ingredient if you follow the recipe, the secret to garlic is always double what the recipe says. Always use more than a recipe says. Uh, but yeah, no, that's a good one. What about, um, I think one of the things that I really think of as like a secret weapon, bones and fat. Like bones, I, like, if you go into my freezer, there are at least four carcasses of some sort of animal. Well, that's how you make a, a great broth and a yes. great soup. So you can use the bones for that. You can use uh, the bones. You make a, a nice broth, and then I use that broth instead of water for, like, vegetables. So, like, if I'm going to make, you know, spinach, I'll put a little bit of the chicken stock or something like that in it. But what I also do with bones is I, um, I'll, again, sous vide or slow cook or anything like that with, um, with butter and herbs and things like that and make uh, make some sort of a butter, a compound butter that has like the flavor of whatever. Um, so steak butter, you take some, I've got a couple bones from a T-bone. Um, I'm gonna, they're in my fridge right now. I'm gonna put them in with a stick of butter and like let them simmer in a slow cooker for an hour or so and uh, infuse that steak flavor into the butter. Put some, put a little garlic in there, put some herbs in there and then when I'll, I'll cool it all down, I'll make like a, I'll roll it up in some wax paper and now I've got a stick of butter that tastes like steak and herbs. And what I'll do is I'll use that on top of steak. I'll grill a steak, I'll slice it up and then put that butter on top of the steak and it just gives more flavor. So I think you dropped uh, two secret ingredients then because you also compound butter. Com well, I feel like butter is also fat. I said bones and fat, right? Mm -hmm. um, fat, I mean, that's the other thing that's hit currently in my fridge. There's... I've got duck fat, I've got uh, bacon grease, I've got, uh, you know, beef fat to make for this butter, um, you know, things like that. That, that. That's just awesome. I mean, duck fat is my is my fat of choice. Well, duck fat fries, very hot right now. Duck fat potatoes are awesome. I made them last night. Um, yeah. I'll also use duck fat to sear something. So if I'm going to make a cast iron steak or a pork chop, 
Instead of using canola oil, I'll put a little bit of duck fat. You know it's supposed to be better than duck fat, but I don't know where you can even get it except Ikea. Oh, man. Oh. Horse fat. <laughs> horse fat? Horse fat. Yeah, apparently horse fat fries are, like, insane. Really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. I, I have this rule where I'll try anything. Yeah, I mean, same. I, I don't – besides, like, rodent, I don't Wait, think. I want to know how you can get this at Ikea. Well, no, Ikea had that uh, – the – Horse meat, oh, yeah, meatball that's scandal. Right. That's right. <laughs> I, I brought it back to like 2013. Sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know. So, so where do they cook with this? Is it like Japan? Probably like Norway or something. Like, probably, yeah. Probably like just somewhere <laughs> out whale that like, you can never, that yeah. I'll never go to. But horse fat. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah. That's like one step away from dog fat for me, and I I can't even. Oh no, I can't I, eat dog. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even think of that. I had a rabbit in college because we couldn't have a dog. How fat was it? No, it was cute. It was really it was a good rabbit, but I don't know if I like. You I, say I, it was a good rabbit, like you ate it when it no, was No, like I, my my girlfriend at the time was like, "You're never eating rabbit now." Now that we have the pet, and I was like. Eh. <laughs> I, I haven't <laughs> had rabbit, but I feel like if you were like, hey, Mike, here's some rabbit, I would eat it. So I think that um, we need to find a black market horse fat dealer <laughs> and have, have him on the podcast. If, have if, him you, or if her you have a podcast. horse fat plug, uh, <laughs> yeah. at, at not a foodie picks. <laughs> exactly. Slide at not a foodie picks on Instagram. Let us know. You can, you can do it by means of whatever dark web sort of way you want to contact us. But any um, black market horse fat dealers out there? Honestly, we're also looking for sponsorship. So if you are a black market horse fat dealer and you need to get your name out there a little bit. I can't think of a better place. <laughs> this is the way to do it. This is the pod for you. <laughs> All right. Horse fat secret weapon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so moving on. Give me another one. Give me uh, another culinary secret weapon. Salt that isn't kosher salt. Okay. Kosher salt is a staple. Kosher salt I have one of so I, I don't know what it's called but there's the the Japanese sort of thing about you know if it gives you joy you, you know it, it's very special in your life and one of the things that give me joy right now is I have this of course it's Japanese it's a little Japanese porcelain salt box that I keep next to my stove it's next to my favorite burner on my stove I do have a favorite burner on my stove and I just keep it there so that I can constantly be seasoning I think that salt in general I understand what you're saying, but I think that salt in general is a secret weapon well, when used properly. it's prop- like garlic. Yeah, it has to be used properly. It has to be used throughout the cooking process. That's one thing that people don't understand. Like salt needs to be constantly added at different stages. But so what are you talking about? Like I salt mean, that's not I mean kosher. like pink salt, uh, smoke salt. Like finishing salts? Yeah, like cool, cool, fun salts. I, I went to – you guys – so finishing for, – for anyone who doesn't know, finishing salt is just something that you sprinkle on after you're mm-hmm. done with the meal. So, like, you can have those big granular, uh, I guess, sea salt? Like the, yeah. The, well, there's, what's there's in different. Here? In there is. Uh, so, he, what, what Mike is picking up is on my dining room table, there's a little bamboo box that has um, some sea salt crystals. It is and, sea salt. Yeah. Okay. And they, um, we just keep it on the table so that you can put it on. Your but they're meal. huge. They are. They're big ones. They're not like the flakes. Um, it's I like mean, someone chiseled a, a yeah. s- actual sea salt. Yeah. And, collected them and now it's on your on my dining room, dining table. room table we have we have a bunch of different kinds of salts in, in my kitchen um 
we've got sea salts from different areas that taste differently. I've got an Italian Te sea terroir. salt. <laughs> yes, the terroir, the of, terroir salt. of salt. Um, but I've got like French salt, French like flake salts. I've got these Australian um, from the Salmon River in Australia. These pink salts that are like total flaky, but like really crunchy. Two years ago, I bought an eight or ten dollar shaker of Himalayan pink salt. And my girlfriend at the time was like, are you kidding? Like, that, that's what you need? And I was like, yes. Yeah. And I have half of it still. Uh -huh. And it lasted longer than she did. So. <laughs> well, that was mean. No. Sorry. No, but I, like, I know what you're saying. I, um, Salt, I've got. Salt's forever. Love is temporary. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what I'm saying. Salt is. Um, Salt is obviously one of the most important things in not only in cooking, in civilization. <laughs> it's Wars have been fought over salt. Yeah, literally, wars have been fought over salt. But yeah, no, I would say that it definitely is a culinary a, a culinary secret weapon. Mike is now reaching for my, uh, my bookcase in my dining room, which has a book called Salt, A World History by Mark Karlansky. Which is one of my food geeky sort of things. It's a it's a book that is how it's pretty hefty, right? It's almost five hundred pages about the history of salt. The and trick to reading books now in two thousand seventeen yes. is to download the Kindle app and buy it on Kindle, uh -huh. and that way, even if it is five hundred pages, it just feels like one page. You don't know. I'm I'm flipping through this now, and it looks like like page fifty one is dog eared. I know I got past page fifty one. I don't know why it's dog eared, but. This oh, is an old I, book. I'm actually surprised you're not the type that takes notes in the books. I am. You should see my travel books. You should, I have like the any like guide, food guide to Japan. That is just it's got notes. It's got pieces of paper. It's got you know okonomiyaki stains all over it. It's it's dog-eared and haggard. <laughs> all right. I, so here's a, here's a, a good one. Here's a good secret weapon: anchovies. Yes. Facts. Anchovies. I mean, but not not on top. I like if I order a Caesar salad, I don't want you to top them with anchovies. I just want you to put a shit ton of anchovies in the Caesar dressing. Yeah. I, so anchovies. There uh, there are two things for me. I, like I I disagree with that. I disagree. I think I, that I think. I mean, if you want to say I'm wrong and you like anchovies, I'm, I can't even like contest that. I just personally <laughs> like I'd, I. It's not for me. But every the whole half the world loves anchovies yeah and i am not a big fan of the super oily traditional anchovies that come in the tin that you know that you find on pizza every once in a while but um if you get like white anchovies like whole white anchovies or things like that that are just a little bit more mild um they're delicious i'll eat them whole all day the the worst thing about anchovies is the name it sounds like a bug anchovy yeah it doesn't sound like a, like a delicious fish it, yeah I don't know. I think the, the name just has it, – it just brings back too much for me. It brings back the first time I had anchovy on pizza, and I was like, way to ruin pizza, you guys. Like, this is just horrible. What? Um, well, well, so why how is it a, how is it a secret weapon? Because I, I know so, what I do. So, like, a, a traditional Caesar salad is – it's actually paleo. There's no cream. Mm -hmm. There's no cheese. It's just, what, eggs and anchovies and pepper and yeah, salt? It, I, no, uh, probably not salt if you have anchovies. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe a little bit of salt, but yeah. And uh, you actually you take the garlic, you rub it around the inside mm -hmm. of the bowl, and watching someone make a Caesar salad properly is is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, no. So anchovies in that. I also think anchovies, anchovies in it, butter. It's a, it's Italian umami. Yeah, that's what anchovies are. Uh, you can you can add anchovy paste or anchovies to pretty much any 
sauce anything, and it's gonna just make it richer and more delicious. I, I don't remember what the recipe um, and, and that I read once, but there was a recipe that said, uh, you know, it had anchovies in it. It had a, a lot of anchovies in the sauce, and the footnote was, "Don't worry, you guys, you're not gonna taste the anchovies. But if you leave the anchovies out, you will. This will not taste good." Like, and it's that's that's what anchovies do. They they give you it that umami. It. Yeah, it gives you it gives you that just better taste, the better mouth feel. And, and the seafood version of that is caper. Oh, I guess anchovies are seafood too. Yes. I, I don't know. I use whenever I cook fish or anything, I throw a spoonful or two of capers. So you're saying like yeah, the the vegetable version. Mm. Capers are vegetables, right? Yeah. I, I don't know why I said seafood. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I agree. Capers are one of the best things that I. That I make is um well not one of the best things that I make one of the best everything one, I make is the best yes, thing I make exactly no I love making um really simple like uh, really simple salsa kind of spread like a green herby salsa a salsa verde yes a salsa salsa verde green salsa um just parsley um capers garlic and a little olive oil and some chili pepper flakes and throw it in the blender and. During the summertime, when there are herbs all over the place, I, I use that. I put it on everything. I think I, I made some for you a couple no, weeks ago, balsana. right? Yeah, I made uh, it was an eggplant on the grill, dipped in a little balsamic, and then marinating in this salsa verde, and it's delicious. And the capers are what gives it that extra sort of something. You're like, what is that? Oh, it's capers. Usually nine times out of ten, when you're like, "What is that flavor? Why can't my why doesn't my food taste like this at home?" It's because they use anchovies and capers. Or just a shit ton of butter. Yes, butter. <laughs> I, when I'm cooking at home, I can't uh, put two sticks of butter into something. But if you cook <laughs> it for me, fine. Yeah, no, I know. I, I feel guilty. I feel like I'm giving people heart attacks. But, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, no, definitely uh, use a lot of butter. <laughs> um, one, actually, that I like, one secret weapon. Not we're, we're a food podcast, but we're a food culture podcast. Uh, egg whites in cocktails. Uh, you can use egg whites in cocktails to give this really beautiful frothiness to the drink, this creaminess, this frothiness, and there's no dairy added. Um, the a sour is uh, an acid, simple syrup, and egg white. So, like, if I wanted a whiskey sour, yeah, whiskey, lemon juice, or lime juice, uh, simple syrup, and egg white. And what you do to get the froth really good, it's called a dry shake, which it, I think is a really funny term, but it's you add all your ingredients and you shake the shit out of it without ice. And then you add the ice and then you reshake the shit out of it and then you strain it. Uh, you double strain it. Okay. Uh, so you strain it from the shaker mm-hmm. into a small uh, sieve. Mike's talking with his hands now. Oh, Italian problems. <laughs> um and then the double straining also provides that really beautiful foam on top. So nice. Do you do you do a lot of that like at home? No, I, I really I don't really drink at home. Like if I have people over, I'll run and buy a six pack of something. But or yeah. like I I have a, a decanter that has whiskey in it from like two years ago. <laughs> I I, uh, I don't know. I I'm around alcohol so much at, where like it's almost like work drinking at home. Right. Right. But if you talk to like Somalis, they're like, "Oh yeah, I have a fridge full of Budweiser because that's they're drinking such like crazy, crazy stuff that they need 
yeah. simple basic. Oh, yeah. I mean, I lived with um, I lived with some really good chefs over the years. Just you know, in my twenties. No, chefs drink room. whatever, whatever. Yeah. chefs don't count. Yeah. They. Well, no, but I mean, what I'm I'm equating it to the food that was in oh. our fridge, which was nothing. It was there was never anything in our fridge because he was just around food all day. Yeah. Oh, so okay. Here's here's a secret ingredient that I that I love that I recently not recently discovered. Uh, it's called uh, gochukaru. You know it? No. <laughs> gochukaru. It's uh, and you know my Korean friends are gonna make fun of me for pronouncing it like that, but it's basically um, Korean chili peppers, chili pepper, uh, dried chili pepper flakes, and chili pepper salt. I think it actually means like spicy pepper in Korean. Is it? Is it like if sriracha was a chili pepper? If like you a, were to like a chili flake. If you were to take sriracha and probably remove some of the garlic from sriracha and dry it out in the sun and then turn flakes and turn it into flakes, yeah, that's what it tastes like. So it's like a combination of salt and chili pepper. Um, it's like the base for um, kimchi. So when you when you make kimchi, um, you've made kimchi. I, there's a kimchi in my fridge fermenting right now. <laughs> what? I mean, you can only do so much with a cabbage. You get some cabbage, and, you know, what else am I going to do with it? I've also got sauerkraut. That's what I do with cabbage. I make kimchi or sauerkraut. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's 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 that base of kimchi. It's that it's what gives it that spice. It gives it that red color and everything. And it's um, I use it for everything. I'll put it on my eggs. Um, I also just like that it's different. Do you put different. it in your Sunday gravy? I do not put it in my Sunday gravy. I've put it in other things, though. Like, I've had... Um, if I try to do any sort of like uh, Asian grilled oysters, I'll grill some oysters. Mike's laughing at me now. If I if I grill oysters sometimes, and I'm and we're having like an Asian style fish for dinner, um, sometimes we'll go have oysters as like an appetizer, and I'll take some of the gochugaru with some butter, um, put it on top of the some oysters, fish sauce? and a uh, little bit, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I've also used gochugaru in some fermented pepper fish sauce that i make oh what else as you, you do yeah right. <laughs> come on you guys Obviously. don't ferment your own fish sauce at all we, we started this uh episode talking about how you should use garlic and now we're talking about fermented fish sauce. yeah well i mean that let's move on to like that's another secret weapon for me is i have these little sauces and salsas and pastes they're just in my fridge that i use for whatever you know just to sort of make little things and, and elevate the dish i i oh, so many uh recipes always call for like beef stock or chicken stock or whatever mm -hmm. i feel like tomato paste you can always just add into anything yeah to anything that you're putting a adding beef stock to tomato paste will make it more delicious tomato paste is also umami <sighs> i mean uh, so what what's umami for for people that don't know umami umami is the like the when you're talking about tastes, so the the tongue thing that you saw in kindergarten where, like, the front of your tongue tastes this and the back of your tongue tastes that is total bullshit. It doesn't right. exist. Kindergarten teachers are lying yeah, to you. Yeah, Shout out, Miss Cold. Um, <laughs> but, so you have sweetness, spicy, bitter, salty, and then you have umami, which is the richness of the dish. Um, it's like the steakiness okay. of the dish. So, so some examples of umami flavor are anchovies. Anchovies. Oh, well, I, I mean, you take the saltiness away from anchovies and you have umami, mm -hmm. right? Okay, tomato, I umami. guess, if you take the sweetness Por away. Portobello mushroom. Yeah, that's the yeah, that's a good one. Any sort of kind of mushroom, I think, is mm -hmm. got that umami. Uh, so 
tomato paste, putting in things. To- got... Tomato paste is great. That's just back to tomato paste. Tomato paste is wonderful. It costs like a dollar, and it goes a very. Uh, I think most recipes call for like a tablespoon of tomato paste, yeah. and you get like probably six tablespoons in one. One little can. Yeah. We buy the. Um, I'm I, surprised you don't make your own tomato paste. Tom. I do. Oh, <laughs> I have. I have. I have. But it's you know it's a pain in the ass. Oh, um, that, that kimchi, whatever tomato paste. Yeah. Nah. <laughs> I feel like I found good tomato pastes. You know, red I pack. use uh, red pack's good. I and when we buy it, we usually buy it. We try to buy it in like the toothpaste tube, mm. so that it doesn't go bad in the fridge. You know, you can just sort of squeeze out whatever you need, and it's not oxidizing. It's not all exposed to air. And you know, getting bad because that's how foods go bad when they're exposed to air like that. Yeah, that's how we all get botulism. Um, but yeah, no, I, I tomato paste definitely. I have tahini paste in my fridge right now. Um, T- tell them how. Tell them why you have tahini paste. <laughs> um, a couple weeks ago, it was a Saturday night. Um, I had my high school reunion, and I'm old. So on Sunday morning, I was banged up and hungover because, as people know, when you get older, your hangovers just tend to get a lot worse. And um, I, I ordered breakfast from the diner, and I wanted some lunch, and we had nothing around the house. So I went into my garden in the backyard, and I saw that we had these, like, major eggplants. And I was like, you know what I want? I really want hummus. And then I was like, I don't know. Uh, not hummus. I'm sorry. Baba ganoush. <laughs> so, eggplant hummus. Eggplant hummus. And I was like... I don't. I know that eggplant is the main ingredient, and I think it's got tahini, and I don't know what else. Let me look it up. So I went on the internet, as one does, and I found that you need tahini to make it. And I was like, I don't. I'm not gonna walk to the store and get tahini. And then I was like, well, let me go back to Google and see if I can make my own tahini paste. And it's basically just sesame seeds and and some sort of tasteless oil. So I used grapeseed oil, and I I ram shackle like went through my cabinets and i found that i had this gigantic like shaker container of sesame seeds that i used for some recipe once and they're toasted sesame seeds um, which is what you need for tahini paste and i just i put it all in a blender (laughs) and made my own tahini paste and for the past two or three weeks we've been having hummus and baba ganoush because now i have a gigantic thing of tomato paste or um of uh, tahini you can't you can't make like Three ounces of tahini paste. You can only make like a quart of tahini yeah, paste. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So now I've got a, a nice mason jar filled with, you know. I, and honestly, the secret weapons in my house are anything that is in a mason jar that has blue tape on it. I don't, do you, I mean, you, you work in kitchens or mm-hmm. you have, you, you're, you don't work in kitchens, you work in restaurants, you're in front of house, but like kitchens, blue tape, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so our cocktail program is very chef-driven. Mm-hmm. So even – so there, there's a blue tape at the bar, blue tape at the sushi bar, blue tape downstairs in the kitchen, blue tape down downstairs yeah. in the catering. So blue tape, for anyone who does not know this, in kitchens, when people are making their stuff, it has to be labeled. It's just blue tape. Chef's it's, tape. That, it's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's painter's tape. Really, I mean, that's what I. That's I what it literally is. have never realized that those two things are the same. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> it's, but and but chefs and cooks and they are crazy about their blue tape. They're crazy about labeling things. They're crazy about making sure that there's right well, angles it's, it's on their health blue code violations. Yeah. So everything is completely. Um, they they're anal with the way that things are labeled, and there's just blue tape everywhere, right? And so yeah, in my in my fridge. You can go and find at least a dozen mason jars with blue tape with some sort of label or 
a Tupperware with some label. Um, there's kimchi in there. <laughs> that's a blue tape label on a tahini paste, things like that. Fermented fish oil or fermented fish pepper, uh, fish sauce, <laughs> things like that. So anyway, how did wow. we get on that? Wow, that was a big one. All right, here's something that um, that you wanted to talk about as a secret weapon. Pickle juice. Yeah, um, pickle juice, one, the pickleback shot is the best way to not get a hangover. <laughs> just, now you tell me. Yeah, just keep hydrating yourself. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's all salt. It'll double your hangover. It will <laughs> yeah. not help you at all. Um, they're just delicious, Jameson pickle juice. Uh, no, but pickle juice in fried chicken is what makes fried chicken great. Uh, Chick-fil-A, they what you do is you just take a Ziploc bag, you drop your chicken in there, you drop the pickle juice in there, and you just let it sit for. So it's like it's a brine. It's it's a ready to go brine, yes, right. and delicious. So one of the other things that I have in my fridge right now are probably three or four different jars of pickles that are empty, and all that's left in it is the pickle juice and the brine. Are those pickles that you bought or pickles that you pickled? Both. Both. Okay. Yes. So garlic scapes, I pickled myself. I've got pickled garlic scapes in there, but I also have like, you know, some artisanal pickle company made in wherever. Are you big on Chopped? Do you watch I watch Chopped. Chopped. Yeah. I like when they do a 20 minute pickling. They're yeah. Like, they do quick, oh, pickle. Bear, yeah. Quickle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, we, so that's what I do. That's what I use the, the pickle juice for. Like I'll, if I've got cucumbers or whatever, I'll just chop them up, put them in there and make like a little salad. Yeah, you can them. also use pickle juice you can reuse pickle juice so you can yeah. like drop cucumbers into pick store that's pickle that's juice. what i'm saying yeah that's what i that's what i that's why i have three or four empty <laughs> big pickle jars in there that are just filled with brine um i also put a little bit in bloody mary's oh yeah delicious yeah. back to uh, didn't we talk about this recently we talked about Episode bloody one. mary's yeah mm-hmm. yeah we I feel like Bloody Marys will be something that pops up a lot. That could be a whole that, episode. That could be an episode. But Bloody Marys, we a, should do an a good secret where ingredient. We just make like a bunch of different Bloody Marys and just by the end of it, we're not standing. We're oh, standing. I have. Here we go. I've got another secret ingredient for Bloody Marys: um, liquid smoke. Okay, I see that. Take I a see couple you. drops of liquid smoke, put mm-hmm. it in like a nice tomatoey Bloody Mary. Harissa. Yeah. Harissa. So Harissa's, awesome. Harissa's, Harissa's awesome. a Middle Eastern spice. Yep. It's like a paste. Uh, I You've probably made it. I have no idea what goes into it. I have not. It, I have just, not. It's, it's some special peppers. It's just this spicy, delicious paste that, and it, like, for a, a good Bloody Mary that isn't like a tinny Bloody Mary, it, it goes really well with just like the, the freshness and the herbaceousness of a, a real tomato juice Bloody Mary. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I remember reading an article a couple of years ago that Harissa was going to be the new sriracha. And it, it can't be. Why not? Because it's not like a sauce. It's like a, it's a paste. It is a paste, yeah. It, it, it can't be – in cooking, I guess, but as like a you, – you can't have a Harissa mayo. <laughs> An aioli? <laughs> Harissa aioli? <laughs> I, I love Harissa. Yeah. So, oh, that, there we go. Another secret ingredient. Yes, Harissa. secret ingredients, Harissa. That was I think, honestly, one of the things that I love to do when I have people over for, like, a brunch or if we're going to watch football or whatever, I'll do a Bloody Mary bar. I'll make a Bloody Mary mix, but then I'll also put out um, liquid smoke. I'll put out, you know, the Hamian goat pepper sauce, which is something I think we talked about. Um, I've got 
uh, down in my freezer, I've got uh, some vodka that's been infused with uh, jalapenos and garlic. It's like a garlic jalapeno vodka, and the only t- the only thing I use it for is Bloody Marys, really. I mean, and to do shots when I'm down in my basement doing laundry. Um, and you have to get away from the kids for a minute. Yeah, <laughs> but little things like that, like I that I that I made that are just sort of stashed away. You know, you spend. A, 45 minutes making something i, I mean that especially a, a vodka infusion you're not doing anything yeah you don't do anything you just got to make sure that you take the peppers out otherwise it's going to be undrinkably hot you know spicy um so really quick what you do is you pour the vodka into a big container you put your ingredients in there and then after like an hour or a day or whatever depending on the ingredient you pour it back into the bottle that's what that, i did that's it yeah um, i mean i did it for you, a week i you, did Garlic for the well, I did pepper the jalapenos for like maybe three days, and then I tasted it, and it was like really spicy. But I left the garlic in for a week, so it's a garlic jalapeno vodka. It's in the freezer. As long as you leave it in the freezer, it'll pretty much last forever. Uh, and just be be cautious with uh, acidic fruit. That doesn't always work. Like what? Like uh, oranges, lemons. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, I've got um. <laughs> of course, I made uh, arancello which is like limoncello, but with blood oranges. So it's like this blood orange liqueur. That's delicious. Oh, man. It's like rocket fuel, though. It's I used Everclear. I used Everclear, simple syrup, and Tom blood is, orange. Tom has like a, a life of life of kids and is just a college student. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm also I'm making some toilet wine upstairs. and <laughs> No. I... This is why I started Not A Foodie, though. I started Not A Foodie because I was doing all this stuff anyway. I remember thinking, like, oh, how does pepperoni get made? Or not pepperoni. Like, how does, like, a dried sausage get made? Like, I didn't understand it. And so I went out and decided that I was going to try to make, like, soppressata. <laughs> and I did. And that led me to down this weird path. So, anyway. Those are some – what else? What else? Do we have any others that are, that are good food secret weapons? I feel um, like there's got to be a bunch that people people use. But. Yeah. Um, we had grapeseed oil. You touched on it. Yeah. Grapeseed oil um, Grapeseed oil is good because it, it, it can be used – it doesn't have a flavor. It doesn't have that, like, sweet flavor that olive oil has or that very distinct flavor that olive oil has. Um, it's not like canola oil or corn oil. Um, it's just sort of this – inoffensive oil that takes on whatever flavor you want to have in there um so like when i made my tahini paste i use grapeseed oil um i'm gonna make some i've got i I went overboard this year planting spicy chilies in my backyard so i've got like a five foot tall like tabasco plant i've got uh you know uh, scotch bonnet peppers and things like that so i'm gonna make chili oils um using grapeseed as the base because i feel like i want the the flavor of the, the peppers to come through. We use it at the restaurant. The sushi chef uses uh, grapeseed oil as a base for a lot of different sauces to dress the sushi with. Mm-hmm. That way it doesn't overpower. Because the whole sushi is so delicate. Uh, so yeah, gra- grapeseed oil is really great once you want to get into like... It's the same thing, infusions. Yeah. just it, It's the vodka of oils. <laughs> Did- do you like so I, I do a lot of infusions with vodka because it is completely flavorless mm-hmm. um, and I just I don't understand uh, people that drink vodka just straight up like I it's efficient it is that, that's that's <laughs> the only 
it's utilitarian. The it's only just thing because <laughs> like I, my if I'm gonna sit down at the bar, I'm probably gonna have a Negroni or a Boulevardier, which is okay. So a Negroni is gin, Campari, and sweet vermouth, mm-hmm. and a Boulevardier is bourbon, Campari, and sweet vermouth. Yeah. Um, so if we're gonna go ABV by ABV, uh, Martini, a classic yeah. Martini, alcohol by volume. Yeah. A, a cla- now if you go and get a martini they, they don't use vermouth anymore it's just vodka maybe they'll do like a little rinse of vermouth mm-hmm. um so that if you have two martinis versus two uh negronis you're gonna definitely be feeling the martinis more and yeah. it's the same price so <laughs> so for you it's all about getting to that no, point no, no. for me it's not <laughs> but for vodka drinkers it is or they just have never had anything really yeah I, I, like I mean, if the, I, when you make any sort of flavored l- liquor, I mean, even gin to some extent, you can make using vodka as a base. Uh, my coworker Zach, the beverage director, says the only good flavored vodka is gin. <laughs> but, I mean, gin is awesome. Gin is a cocktail in itself. Like, straight-up gin is just – it's a cocktail of spices in in some sort of neutral spirit. And, you know, sometimes it's vodka. Um you know, it's got that piney sort of flavor to it. Right now, too, gin is so hot, and there's so many cool gins being made. Um, all like, and they all advertise. It used to be like five times distilled vodka. Now it's like fifty different botanicals in our gin. <laughs> so a botanical is just like a different flavor, different ingredients. So it, it's really, really cool. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm a big fan of gin, and I love that every gin is distinct, and. My, my family was always a beef eater family. Like, just beef eater, straight up beef eater gin martinis. And I still like my beef eater mar- uh, martinis. Um, For nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. I mean, on a summer night, like, beef eater. Like, that's that's it. But if you look over at my liquor cabinet, uh, there's got to be uh, half a dozen just different types of gin in there. And then it's from everything from citrusy to really herby. Have you ever like had that. Queen's Courage gin? No, I haven't. It's uh, it's an old tom gin, which means it's made from honey, and they get the honey from Astoria bees. Bees in Astoria, bees Queens. Bees in Astoria, Queens. So, so where do they distill it? In Astoria. In Astoria. It's all Astoria. We we carried it at the restaurant. I told my rep I want the owner to come by so I can like just talk Queens with him. <laughs> cool. So it's a it's very delicious. All right. Well, I think that that's good for our uh, culinary secret weapons. I think one of the things that we had talked about is trying to come up with segments for the end uh, for the last piece of our podcast. Um, last week we did FMK or last podcast we did FMK. Fuck Mary Kill. Um, this this one I, I so it, you you sort of blew my mind with with the FMK. I felt like that was really well thought out. Um, it was with stuffed pastas. It tortured me for a little bit. I loved it. Um, so I have I have a question for you. Shoot. So I know that you love your ice cream. Yes. I, ice cream is my favorite dessert. Uh, bar none. If you gave me a fuck, marry, kill with ice cream and any other desserts, I, it just it's ice cream. Okay. So I've got a two-part question for you then. Okay. I've got fuck, marry, kill, um, vanilla, chocolate, strawberry. That's part one. Okay. And part two is would you give up cheese or ice cream if you had to give up one of them? Okay. Uh, these are both very easy for me. Marry, fuck, kill. I would. Damn marry. it! I got to think of better ones. Yeah. Go ahead. I would marry chocolate. Um, Why? Because I, I love chocolate. Okay. I would fuck vanilla, 
and I would kill strawberry, and only because I don't think strawberry ice cream is very good. I I don't think vanilla ice cream is great, but like, I pref- I really dislike strawberry ice cream. I'm with you. When we buy the uh, Neapolitan ice cream, that that strawberry it's block just is just there. It's sort of like it's always there for like a month before I cave in. I was like, oh, we have no other ice cream. I guess I'll eat that, yeah. or oh. I give it to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you want ice cream? Yeah, there's strawberries. Stra- <laughs> Guys, strawberries the best. Don't you know that? Yeah, exactly. You don't want chocolate? Well, okay. So that was very easy. What about what about the cheese? Um, I I like cheese a lot. Like like cheese. Uh, if I like charcuterie, it, cheese boards, meat boards. That's like home for me. That's like where my heart. That's what gives me the most joy. But but yet ice cream was where you sort of grew up. No, I, that's like where I worked. Like I grew up eating like prosciutto and like getting these big sandwiches from Mitch. Shout out Mitch, our butcher. Mitch, Mitch is our butcher. Mitch and is awesome. We're go, gonna try to work Mitch into every episode. It it will not even be hard. Yeah. <laughs> He's such and, an integral part of our life. Um, going to Mitch with my dad, getting these big hot gabagool prosciutto sandwiches <laughs> and going to Yankee Stadium. I love that you say gabagool and prosciutto. Yeah. I don't love that you said Yankees, but, you know, I'm a Mets fan and but, I live in Queens, so. So, like, cheese meets saltiness definitely more. And, like, if I can eat cheese, then I could put honey on ragot. Then you would give up ice cream? Yeah. Oh, my God. The best gelato I ever had in my life was in Capri, and it was ricotta. Gelato. I would say that gelato falls under ice cream, though, so you no, could not. Yeah, no, that, that's just like a side note. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just, just while we're talking about ice cream, but cheese is better because you can add honey to cheese. And Have you ever had mascarpone ice cream? Wouldn't it be pretty similar to the regret? Yeah, probably. It's a little silkier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I made. Um, oh, what was it? It was a it was a mascarpone with a with a swirl in it, and I made it as like an affogato. Mm-hmm. which is when you take a espresso and you pour it over the ice cream or you put the ice cream in the espresso. I did that as a dessert one New Year's Eve. Uh, we usually have a bunch of people over New Year's Eve and just cook. And, I, I would do that table side of Christos if someone ordered it if, because it wasn't like on the menu. But if someone's like, oh, I really want affogato, I'd be like, okay, sure. And like do it table side for them. And they, <laughs> they would love it. So like, you have done. So uh, that's where Mike and I met was at Christos was a, the steakhouse. It's a in, Michelin in recommended steakhouse. It's it's really incredible. It's probably the most underrated steakhouse in New York City. I would agree with that. It is it is on par with some of the best steakhouses in Manhattan, except it's in Queens. It's probably 10, 15% less, too. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So So aff- you would do that? Like someone would order an yeah, affogato? And if you someone just... was like, oh, do you make affogatos? I'd be like, no, but I have vanilla ice cream and I have espresso, so I'll do it for you. And then just <laughs> charge them for You should have been like, no, affa fuck you. <laughs> Because that's what I would have done. <laughs> Just because it sounds good, that's it. Probably, what I really would have done is sat down next to them and talked to them about affogados for like 45 minutes. <laughs> I'd probably get a bigger tip. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we could end on Afafug you. <laughs> so <laughs> thanks for listening. Tune in next time when who knows what the hell we'll be discussing. I'm Tom. I'm Mike. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks. Bye. Bye.
Obsolete.